Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me in the Above180.com podcast is Matt McNeil. Matt has four USBC Open Championship titles, including a doubles and three all-events titles. Matt has two PBA team titles and also bowled collegiately at Wichita State University. Matt, it's Tim Berg here. Thank you for joining me again. Hey, uh, it's always always a pleasure to be back on the show, and uh feels like it's been a little while, but uh, uh, I was finally able to knock down a few uh, few pins, so it's glad to get, good to get back on the show. Yeah, it was one of those things. The Open Championship began, and I, I start going through my podcast Rolodex of folks who I like to bring on, and, and you're one of those uh, those folks as well. And then, lo and behold, I see a release. Look, whose team is once again at the top of the leaderboard? It is uh, your your guys sitting there at thirty four eighty six. Uh, Matt, let's uh, let's talk about things. How, what uh, what was your guys' game plan heading in and he, heading into team event, and then how did uh, how did things transpire? And then uh, talk about that big set. Well, you know, it was. Uh, I think when watching team event this year, I think they're pretty straightforward. I don't think they're they're incredibly difficult. I, I would definitely say that this would be a year probably more comparable to some of the higher scoring years, maybe like a 2014 um, in Reno. Um, the, the lanes just seem really straightforward, and our whole goal was to not make the lanes worse. Um, I think you have a pretty hittable condition, and our whole goal for our 10-man 10, 10 crew was let's not make the lanes worse. Let's try to keep them nice. Um, so, you know, we, we just kind of operated under that um, principle, and it worked out. You know, we, we had 12.03 to start. Um, and then we kind of about halfway through game two, we hit some transition there. And then there were some ball changes that needed to be made. And um, that's kind of where it got a little hairy for us because we only had 1090 the second game. But once we got uh, comfortable after those that transition happened, uh, we had another big, uh, another big uh, run the third game. And, and that was, uh, that was really good. You know, even with Ron Moore struggling, he only had 600, but, um, you know, the other four guys came through big and we put a great number up there. Uh, is it going to be enough to win? I, I don't know. 
Um, I've been in this position a few times, and it's it's happened to work out every time for me. So, knock on wood, I hope I keep that streak going. But um, either way, it was a magical moment with people you really enjoy bowling with, and that that type of thing, trophies and money, it, it just it can't replace what what we got to experience as a team when we took over the lead. You mentioned uh, 2014 going back and doing my research. That was the last year a score was was as high as uh, it was way higher than what you guys were this year. But every other year has been in the you know 32, 66, 33, 20, 33, 60, 3400 last year. What do you think was the difference this year that made them a little more playable for everyone? You know, I really didn't feel like the pattern was as touchy front to back, which would tell me that there's probably not as many two to twos in the middle or towards the end of the pattern. It, it feels like there's there's more taper front to back, and I, I think those are the big difference makers there. And uh, let's let's talk about equipment. What did um, what were a lot of your guys using? If you want to get into as, as much or as as vague, you can certainly do that as uh, as well. And then I, I also obviously too have to ask the ultimate question. We always we know we're in the stadium. People love using urethane there. Did did you see that in your observations of folks having some success with urethane on the lanes? Um, well, yeah. So uh, start off with equipment. Um, I used an all road um, that, that was worked out great for me on the left side um a couple uh, one guy is with motive he used and i i hate i wish i could told you the balls he used i just i just don't follow that line very close so he he threw uh, a couple of motive balls um we have uh, uh justin beach he's with brunswick and he threw a couple of different brunswick balls uh couldn't tell you once again i, I i'm just not familiar with the line um and John Rakowski, he threw a couple of radical balls. Once again, I, I just don't pay much attention to the to that line. And um, and then Ron Moore was he was really lost. He threw a reality. Um, tried to anyways. That kind of was his best look. He tried throwing a high pearl. He tried throwing an IQ tour. He tried throwing um, what else did he try throwing? I think he tried throwing uh it maybe have been just those three balls but he just couldn't really find success with much of anything so i guess i guess i'm being pretty vague there it's just uh i really just didn't know um what types of the competitors brands that that our our guys were using and then uh going going on to the urethane you know i i think urethane's in play if you want to use it you can use it um, you know, it, it'll, there's enough friction on the lane surface at the South Point Plaza definitely to use it. Um, so I, I won't, I won't totally rule it out, but l- like I say, I think, I think there's a lot of ways to skin the sheep. I, I think you just got to do it the same way every time. And you mentioned something in your guys' success though, and that was not making the lanes bad. <laughs> Is that, that's something that the transition with urethane, where people they may start out looking great and then it may it may get a little more tricky and dicey for them is that i mean it's something we we see a lot of times no matter what when you're bowling whether it's the masters or open championships or anything is that something again 
that if if you were on a team with folks using urethane, that would be one of your main concerns? Absolutely. And, you know, when I've used urethane myself in competition, it's you kind of get pigeonholed into it because, you know, the minute you go from urethane to reactive resin, it's really hard for your eyes to adjust to that shape, the, the resin shape, because, you know, you're used to early hook, very smooth, slow transition. And when you get that out of your hands, if you're not accustomed to it, it can be very, very hard. Um, so, you know, you might be able to use urethane all three games. I, I don't know. We're, we're pretty early in the tournament here. So, you know, that might be an option. Maybe it only gets you a game, game and a half, and, and then you'd have to bail out of it. So um, I, I really wish I had a better answer for you. But, you know, I, I think I think the big the big thing is is that you try not to make the lanes worse as a team and I think you you just you gotta be repeating and then I think if you can conquer that that transition, um, that first second transition, I think if a team can conquer that they can put up a pretty sizable score. And then, Matt, you guys move on to your uh, doubles and singles, and you yourself had a little bit of trouble there in doubles. What what was uh, what was that pattern like, and and what um, what kind of tripped you up a little bit until you found things? You know, it's just it was um, a, a little of excess ball speed and excess grip pressure. I just I didn't see the lanes the right way, and I needed to I needed to get my ball to slow down closer to me. And I was just trying to I was trying to play a little too much angle through the front part of the lane. I felt. And, uh, trying to play, uh, you know, a little too too much flip down lane. And, uh, you know, I thought I could maybe outfold the condition for a little bit to try to set it up for singles. And I, I just couldn't. And, and I had to had to make some changes in, in my attack and, and be a little straighter through the fronts in the track with an IQ tour solid, be very forward with my hand instead of rotating it. And, and then I kind of got back on track. You know, I went 240, 220, 270. 2-0 with two seven tens. So you know, you take out those couple seven tens that last game of singles. I could probably have, you know, an extra thirty forty pins there. So um, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's bowling, you know, and uh, you know it's really um, it's really crazy in our sport. You know, you get a, a tip here or a, a roll there or a, a, a wobble here, and you know your score can change very very drastically. Is it the typical double singles, or I shouldn't say typical, but traditional double singles where it might be a, a smidge longer than what the team usually is, or did you find the pattern lengths to be pretty much uh, pretty much the same? It felt like it was a little longer. Um, it felt like there was definitely more vo- volume in the in the front and middle part of the lane. Um, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I moved, uh, I moved quite a bit, uh, mainly because I. I was a little lost in the early goings, um, but I went through, you know, I, I probably went through four or five balls and moved about, I don't know, 13 to 15 boards with my feet. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's, uh, it's a little, it plays a little longer. Um, it feels like it's a little longer, um, but, you know, there's there's still kind of that, you know, that Hoagland-esque, uh, you know, it wants to hook a little, it wants to hook early and, and bail type of, reaction so you got to be really good mindful with your ball speed i feel i feel ball speed is very very important uh, making sure you're repeating that matt one of the other things we all uh we're, we get to take a look at is the uh, the topography sheets and there's a lot of people that would say those are more important than whatever the the pattern is and and finding out that actual lane graph so can you 
briefly, though, discuss those topography sheets for folks out there who maybe haven't had a chance to take a look at them or even when they do look at them are a little bit lost in, in what it, what they all mean? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Bowl.com has uh, published um, the topography reports for every single lane um, in the plaza. I don't know exactly how dated those uh, topographer, topography reports are. I want to say they're multiple years old, but um, I could be mistaken on that. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but basically what you're looking at is you're going to see some different colors on the lane. Um, if you're right-handed and you see reds and yellows and, and browns, brownish reds, that means there's a, a lot of lean towards the, towards the center part of the lane. And generally here at South Point Plaza, you're going to have a lane that hooks more overall, and then you're going to la- have a lane that hooks early in bales. And, and the same thing is on the, on, on the left side. You know, you're going to see uh, dark blues, blues, and light blues. Um, the green is the flat area, and you're not going to see a whole lot of green. Um, and that's just that's the nature of the beast of, uh, you know, synthetic lane surfaces that, um, you know, once they're installed, they, they tend to, uh, you know, uh, crown and, and have depressions. It's not like a wood lane surface where we'd re, you know, a, a proprietor back in those days with wood lanes would have them cut and resurfaced every single year. So, um, so it's, it's definitely a, a, a little different, something you should pay attention to. Um, does it tell the complete story of what's going to happen? No, but it's certainly a good guide to know what to expect on the pairs you're going to be competing on. And really you're just looking for, you know, what, what's kind of happening in the, in the front part and the middle part of the lane. And then, uh, you know, and then from, from there, most of your ball reaction is going to be determined in that first 40 feet. Matt, you had also mentioned to me, you're, uh, you're doing this there. You're helping out in the storm booth. So I want, well, I'd like you to maybe help me out here a little bit because you, you see bowlers, talk to bowlers, help bowlers all day. If you're someone, though, that's a little bit of a newbie coming out to the Open Championship, or maybe you're not a newbie, but what are some, uh, what are some good questions or what are, what are some things bowlers should do when they're preparing, when they're getting ready to bowl their event, their team event, and they want to come by you guys, and whether that's they're looking for a, a, new, a, new, you know, a, new, uh, a new piece of equipment, a new bowling ball, or it's, it's getting their stuff up to uh, you know, cleaning things up a little bit and getting ready to go and, and everything. What, what are a few things we should do to, uh, to get ourselves ready from when we visit a storm booth out there? Yeah, I, I think really just have a good idea of uh, what's in your bag, A, um, I think having, you know, generally smoother, more controllable shapes, um, you know, like when I say shapes, you know, think of like a phase two or think of like an IQ two or solid. I think, I think it's really, really important to have one or two types of those balls in your bag. You know, the really clean, quick balls, like a high road pearl, um, or something like that. I just, that shape really isn't needed for out here. Um, you know, I think you need, uh, balls that are going to allow you to control the pocket and, and then make spares and, and, you know, and those types of things allow you to play more closed angles to start. And then when they open up, make sure to have maybe, uh, maybe a medium ball, like a dark coat or an RSTX two or, uh, with, with just a touch of surface or a UC two, um, you know, to, when you have to start opening up your angle, something with a, with, that's going to be a little more dynamic down lane and off the spot, but definitely one or two balls kind of in that phase two IQ two, IQ two or category, and then maybe a ball or two, you know, kind of like a, a UC2 or maybe an RSTX2, 
um, you know, some asymmetrical pearl that will um, still get through the oil. You know, the back ends tend to tighten up a little bit and the front's, the front's hooked, so you got to open up your angles. But you still need to really play the middle part of the lane, so I think those asymmetrical balls will help you do that. You know, and then just uh, if you do come out here and need a ball, have your spec sheet with you. Have your PAP with you um, if you get that measured at your local pro shop. Um, you know, if you want to bring out your own inserts, you're welcome to do so. But Storm Booth carries both uh, Turbo and Vice. Um, you know, have thumbs with you in case, you know, you're going to swell up here in the desert. Um, make sure you drink a lot of water. Um, and just be prepared to, to take it one shot at a time and, and enjoy your experience out here and enjoy spending time with your teammates. All right, Matt. In all your years of bowling, now you said we, we have a lot of, lot of tournament left to go, a lot of teams left to come through. Your number there, 3486. Have you even given it a thought as far as how, how or if you think that will hold up or is this going to be one of those years, like you mentioned, 2014, where there's a 3500, then there's a 36, and then there's, a, lo and behold, a 3720 that comes out there. Is it? Are we shaping up like something like that, or or uh, or where do you where where's your guys' thoughts heading into things? Yeah, I try to stay. I really try to stay open minded. You know, it's so early in the tournament. I don't think we have a true barometer of what's what's possible out there. I would have to. I think I'd be able to formulate a better judgment after some really strong teams come through. You know, Mentos Produce is coming through this weekend. Higgy's Aquarium is going to be coming through later on. There's so many good, good teams out there. The defending team champions with Chris Hans and Kyle Troop. Uh, you know, you want to see what those teams produce and what pair they produce it on, because uh, that's also a factor. Um, I think that gives you a better uh, measuring stick to how good was our score and what will it take to win. You know, if you look at the history books, 34.86 is the highest score since 2014. So you'd say, well, we feel should feel pretty darn good about it. But, you know, as you mentioned, in 2014, there was a 35, a 36, and a 37. So uh, you just don't know yet. And so it's, it's really tough to say um, what what the value of that score truly is. You know, we, we made, a, made a really good effort. You know, we definitely left left some pins out there with Ron shooting 600. There was one missed Michael, um, and there was a couple splits at untimely times, but, you know, so maybe that, that equals another 100 pins, so maybe it's 3580. Maybe that's the number. Just don't know yet, Tim, and so it's, uh, it's kind of one of those things. I, I wish I had the crystal ball and I could predict better, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's just I, I don't have a good, solid foundation to make an educated call on it. And if you are heading to Vegas, you'll also want to check out some of the great side events like the BTM Tournament run by Rick Ramsey and his wife, Gail. They do a great job. Check out that tournament when you're out there. One of the many side events you can bowl in Vegas if you're out there for the Open Championship. Also, check out BowlingThisMonth.com, Bowling's best and most comprehensive technical resource all at your fingertips. I'm going to give you a little tip here. Also, go on their website and sign up. For their emails, they send only two a week, so they don't bombard you with emails. You get one on Tuesday, one on Friday. That's it. Two emails with all sorts of great little nuggets in. Check out the website. You'll see all the ball reviews down your left-hand side there. Great stuff, great insight, all sorts of great tips for, to help you improve your bowling game. Again, check out bowlingthismonth.com. Also, if you're heading out to the Open Championships, h5gbrands.com is where you want to go for your dye-sublimated jerseys. Check everything out there as well. 
thousands of designs, no hidden artwork fees. I'm going through this process right now, working with the gang at H5G to get myself looking sharp and my team looking sharp for nationals. So again, check everything out, h5gbrands.com. Use promo code ABOVE180. That will get you $20 off your order. Promo code ABOVE180. I also know a lot of folks heading out bowling PBA stops using that code. It works great. Again, promo code ABOVE180 for your $20 off when you go to h5gbrands.com. No hidden artwork fees, thousands of designs. Check them out today. And then uh, my final question, Matt McNeil here, would be is this a year – we always hear about this, and maybe it's changed a little bit from years past where we need to set up the lanes. You need to maybe try something in practice or do something a little little bit different or, or out of the ordinary. Is that ever been needed, or is that still needed based on what you guys or what your your two teams saw? You know, I, I, once again, I think there's a lot of ways to ensure the lanes stay nice. I think whatever you do, you just have to do it as a group, and you have to go out and execute. And um, I, I think, you know, whatever works for your team. I mean, if you have a team full of heavy handed guys, you're certainly not going to do what we did. Cause we have, some, we have, you know, six of our, our guys are pretty straight. So, um, you know, you just, it's going to be different for everybody. And it's, I wish it was a one size fits all black and white. Well, you gotta, you know, look kind of like 10 years ago, you know, you always had to try to burn a little bit, burn a spot, and then you'd move left and do this. I just I felt like the tournament ever since 2016 has been going away from that, where you you really don't try to cut the lanes up and carve the lanes out and do this or do that. Um, I, I just don't feel like that's incredibly relevant anymore. But you know, I heck, I haven't been in the spotlight in the last seven years either. So my advice could be uh, going by the wayside as well. All right, Matt, I, I will say that was, that was my final question. My final comment, though, for you and more of a, a statement is let everyone know how long you're going to be there at the Storm booth and, and when they can see you or where they can see you. And, um, and, and, yeah, just kind of do a little nice plug for Mark and everyone out there at the Storm booth. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be out here uh, until uh, this coming Friday is going to be my last day of working in the booth. I started last Sunday. But, you know, we got uh, West Pie, Mark Anderson, uh, his wife, Char, um, we got uh, Eric Flanders, um, Trevor, and Octavius. They're just unbelievably knowledgeable and helpful and can take care of all of your needs. And, uh, you know, everybody at the Storm Booth will do a bang-up job for you. And uh, uh, that's that's all I can say there. They're just they're great people that will certainly help you out with any need you may have. All right, Matt, and one final note, too. I, I'd be remiss. We didn't bring up anything going on with the equipment and the USB-C most recent rulings regarding the six pieces from Storm and uh, and, and the Storm Company of Brands. The release is online. I'm looking to get someone to discuss that a little bit diff- in, in more in-depth, but that certainly wasn't the time for us to bring it up. Storm has their releases on the website as far as their thoughts on everything, and as does the USBC. So I did want to leave that out there as well, just uh, as we let things go here and uh, and finish up our time. Our focus was more, and our, our conversation was more regarding the Open Championship. So, Matt, I want to thank you for being here and discussing the Open Championship, and um, and we will be catching up with you again down the road. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure to be back on the podcast.